Hola, my name is Jesse Medina. Welcome to Femex Podcast, a bilingual female empowerment show that brings inspiration and resources for women who want to thrive and live life on their own terms. In each episode, we talk about the stories of women who overcame adversity and empower themselves to follow their dreams. Are you ready to grow and be inspired along with me? Let's do this. Today's guest is Christine Gutierrez. She's a Latina licensed psychotherapist, life coach, and expert in love addiction, trauma, abuse, and self-esteem. She has a bachelor's degree in human behavior and development and a master's degree in mental health counseling with a focus on community and prevention. Through her work, Christine offers private and group coaching and transformational retreats. She also has the Diosa Tribe, a global community where like-hearted women come to heal, rise, and lead. She has been featured in multiple publications and is currently publishing her very own first book, I Am Diosa. She's also currently doing pre-orders, so I totally encourage you to support our fellow Latina sister and go and pre-order her book. Also, make sure you share on social media so other people can find out about it. All right, let's dive right in. Welcome everyone. I am here today with Christine and I'm super excited to be having a conversation with this Diosa and um, just hear from you. So let's, let's start by talking a little bit about yourself and how you got started. I already um, did an intro for you, but I do want my audience to know a little bit about your background. Yeah, so my name is Christine Gutierrez and I got started, um, I work as a licensed therapist and I combine uh, ancient wisdom with modern therapy. And some of those modalities include meditation and breath work and Tantra and some shamanic earth-based practices. And uh, really, I, from as early as I can remember, as a little girl, I always had this kind of feeling of heartache for the world. Like I was uh, deeply connected to the suffering of the world and very curious about it and always wanting to figure out how to make the world a better place. And how we can stop suffering and asking these, you know, questions to my mom and making her, you know, stop when I grew up in Bushwick in Brooklyn and, you know, seeing homeless people on the street and begging my mom to go up to them and ask them what's their story, what happened to them, where was their mom, where was their dad? And for me, it was like this, uh, this soul call from, you know, the, the, the depths of me that were planted in me before I even came to earth that were just deeply connected to wanting to alleviate human suffering. And then inevitably, I went through my own personal suffering, right? And so my own childhood, my own um, experiences with life that gave me hardships and pains and wounds and struggles. And inevitably, I then started to go on a journey to heal myself, which I'm still on, we're always on. But uh, it was really that combination of that desire to heal and make the world a better place and the desire to heal the pain that existed in my own heart, in my own psyche, in my own soul. And that journey really led me to this work and, um, and knowing that there is a deep need for it, both internally and um, externally in the world. I love that you said that you are still in the process of healing because I think a lot of women, we are hard on ourselves and we think that we need to get to this point where we got it all figured out, everything is perfect, and then I can maybe help others. And I think this self-healing journey is like ever going. And how can we 
as we heal, start to help other people? How did you get started in that? How did you feel? I think like we almost like sometimes wait for some sort of like universal permission to start doing the work. Like we first need to get to a certain level. So how did you get started? How did you feel called to go from just, you know, traditional therapy to, okay, I'm going to start doing more work in this space? For me, it was pretty natural in the sense that I didn't feel like I had a choice. I, you know, I didn't feel like I couldn't, I couldn't not do the work because it was so planted in my heart that it was effortless. So, um, you know, when I studied, uh, my, my bachelor's in mental health, uh, in human behavior and development, and then I took off a year to study the more tantra, shamanism, energy work, breath work, and then I got my master's in mental health counseling. Already by that point, I knew that I wanted to combine all the different parts of me, you know, writing poetry, the spiritual part, the therapy part, because for me, they were all one, right? It was all like how to help myself, the world, people's hearts, people's psyches, people's souls. And so it all kind of went together for me. And the manifestation of what that looked like was an unfolding process of, you know, okay, now I got to get licensed. Now I got to, you know, now um, I'm going to do workshops or I'm going to do mm-hmm. uh, healing circles. In the beginning, I did a lot of things for free and I still do. Um, but then it developed into the business aspect, you know, combining that soul-based business. And uh, it naturally progressed from the desire in my heart to help. And I, and I you know, I tell anyone this because in addition to the work that I do I also work as a mentor and I and I guide people that are like us especially women mm-hmm. of color Latino women but all women mm-hmm. that are looking for ways to serve their purpose in the world and what I tell them is the biggest thing to do is starting with your heart what is the seed that's planted in your heart what's the thing that makes you feel so full and so lit up that you you can't not do it you might be scared to do it but there's a part of you that just knows that it's, that it's what you need to do. So um, I didn't, particularly, I didn't have the story of waiting for a moment for that to mm-hmm. come. I felt my blocks came in different areas of my life. My blocks were not in my career area. And so I think it's important to say that we all have our blocks. We all have mm-hmm. those things that we struggle with. For me, it was, was and still is, romantic relationships are the area where I most need to grow, period. <laughs> Always has had those lessons gotten better. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, but for some people, it's career, right? And right. so with career, I was blessed in the sense that I had a deep soul purpose and it felt natural. I had so much faith in that area. Mm-hmm. I was just rolling mm-hmm. and going and believing in myself and flowing. So um, I'm grateful for that. And, it, and it's been a natural evolving process because I've always been very in tune with my soul and my spirit in that mm-hmm. area. So um, yeah, it's manifested into what it is now with the beautiful Diosa community, with the retreats that I do. Um, but it all came from that, that, that seed as a little kid mm-hmm. wanting to change the world. When would you say you got started? Like around what time did you go from, okay, now I got my degree and I'm practicing. I don't know if you started practicing just traditionally and then you transition with your workshops or like how old were you? I mean, when did this happen? Because I'm sure sure it evolved, right? Yeah. I mean, I am 34 years old now and I began this about 11 years ago, maybe like the beginning, beginnings of this. Mm -hmm. When I graduated with my master's, I did like the traditional, uh, you know, 
family therapy thing just mm-hmm. for my licensing. I mm-hmm. only did it for my licensing. And very quickly, I realized that I wanted an alternative path, that I wanted to learn from someone. I got a mentor that was doing coaching, that was doing therapy, that was more into mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And so immediately, I never really had a traditional job except mm-hmm. for those six months that I had to in order mm-hmm. to get licensed. And then I worked under my mentor learning from her to get the clinical hours that you need in order to be a licensed therapist. But so really since as soon as I could, I was like, I'm not doing the traditional route. I, I, I was pretty clear that there was something missing for me personally in, in that, uh, field. And I thought that my particular spirit and my particular energy, that my divine calling was to do something else. Mm -hmm. What would you say it's like the biggest struggle that you notice with us? You work with so many women, you know, like the biggest block um, that keeps women from maybe like really pursuing their purpose. I would say that for most of us, whether you're talking about any block, right, whether it's Mm -hmm. self-esteem with love or believing yourself with your purpose, that it usually comes back to some sort of feeling of unworthiness, Mm. you know, and a lot of the core of my work is guiding people to remember their divinity, to remember Mm -hmm. that they are the Osa, to remember that they are a piece of the God consciousness, to Mm -hmm. remember that they are worthy beyond anything that they've gone through, whatever traumas or pains that in that oftentimes there's experiences in your childhood or in your life that has maybe told you that you weren't deserving that you weren't worthy, or maybe you didn't have role models around you that were doing what you wanted to do. So you had no framework for it. Mm -hmm. Right. But usually what I've witnessed is that it's some sort of uh, insecurity with believing that you deserve it. Like, who am I to have this relationship? Who am I to have this purpose and Mm -hmm. live my dream? So some sort of insecurity. I also have noticed, I love what you just shared. And also I've noticed some people ask me like, well, how do you even know what your purpose is? Like, they're kind of like, I'm ready to take the jump. Like, tell me where to go. Tell me what it is. And I don't know how you, I mean, for me, it's like, it's almost something that kind of happens when you follow like the, the signs or like you follow your intuition, but how would you being a professional in this, um, you know, what would you tell someone that's asking like, I don't, I want to do it. I just don't know what it is that I'm supposed to do. I think that, I like to use the word playing and being able to play with what lights you up and playing with what makes you angry too. Like Mm -hmm. if there's things that make you upset in the world, right? And what I mean by that, like, for example, with me, I very early on, although I knew I was upset that the world was the way it was, I was upset that there was suffering. I was upset there was injustice. I was upset. I was angry. I was rageful. I was, and then, you know, that anger, I alchemized Mm -hmm. it into, you know, what, how can I, contribute to being part of what I want to change, right? So not only the things that light you up, but the things that bring you rage in the Mm. world or the things that upset you or that frustrate you and you're like, this is missing and Mm. making some sort of, you know, list for that, you know, for me also, and it's still one of my deepest desires is really unpacking the childhood trauma that we've experienced or the life trauma that we've experienced uh, in a really grounded way, both psychologically and spiritually to remember what it means and to cultivate new tools to have healthy relationship or healthy, you know, purpose. And for me, whether you're talking about um, purpose or relationship or anything, it's taking the stillness, right? To see what doesn't work and what does Mm -hmm. work. What are the things that you do really like? And what are the things you don't like? And 
going on a journey, right? This life is a journey and, mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of ups and downs. This is, um, like they say in 12 steps, this is not uh, perfection. It's about progress over yeah. perfection and just giving yourself the space to discover yourself and, and to explore what it mm -hmm. is that you like. Again, same thing in relationships. You're going to go through relationships. You're going to say, I don't like this. I like this. Um, I want this in a person. I don't want this. And it's all a discovery that comes back to who are you? Right? Mm -hmm. What are your beliefs? What are your values? What are your non-negotiables? Um, what are the things that you want to improve? Because the clearer and the more align in alignment we are with our soul, the easier it is for us to hear what we need to do. Mm -hmm. That voice of our soul will come up and will whisper, you know, maybe leave that job or leave that relationship or go this way or love yourself more in this area or sign up for this therapy program so you can heal this part of yourself to believe in yourself more and you know that's why for me personal development and spiritual healing is like really the you're always going to have a win-win if you go back to that because you're going to get to know yourself and when you get to know yourself you get answers on what it is you need to do I love that. And I would love for you to speak a little bit more about self-love because I think, for example, my background is um, as a teenager, I started going to church. And I think for me, like the biggest thing at that time was like, I wanted to do what was right for God, right? Like what I was being told that God wants this from you, God wants that. And for me, I think one of the things that I've been working on in healing is finding the balance between you know, caring about others and being selfless, but also, you know, I, you have to be not necessarily selfish, but you have to take care of yourself. You have to love yeah. yourself. And I understand it. I think most people understand the, the different concepts in theory, but I think when we're living life, it can get difficult because I think a lot of people are trying to do what I was trying to do, which is being selfless to a point where it wasn't healthy. And yeah. then, you know, I think there's a little bit of guilt. Um, a lot of the women, especially Latinas, I think we have that tendency, even if you don't have a church background of, I want to serve, I want to, you know, be good yeah. to others. Or like the mom that wants to serve her family and have dinner ready every night and have the clean home. And it's like, at what point do you draw the line and say, okay, but no, I have to take care of myself as well. Yeah, there's a concept that I really love in um, Jewish mysticism in Kabbalah that mm -hmm. talks about um, this concept of bread of shame. And this concept of bread of shame is around the feeling that when you give from mm -hmm. a place to get. And so if you put that into a practical example, you may not think that your selflessness is that you're trying to get something. Mm -hmm. But if you really break it down and you're like, I want to be the perfect wife, or I want to mm -hmm. be the perfect mom, and I'm going to do these things so that I get back you know, that affection or that idea that mm -hmm. I'm, you know, um, the best at this, right? It's actually coming, not coming from an aligned space of mm -hmm. this is my truth and I choose to give this mm -hmm. from my full authentic feeling. It's coming from a place of guilt. I should be perfect right. or I should be this mom. And when you do that, you're actually taking from the mm -hmm. person. You're not actually giving to the person. And this mm -hmm. whole concept of bread of shame is, is that you actually end up making the person feel bad in some way spiritually because mm -hmm. the only way we can truly give is when it's coming from an in alignment place mm -hmm. and so when your cup is not full and you are giving 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 but you're not taking the you're not really doing it consciously you're actually taking away from people you're mm -hmm. actually taking away from yourself you're not in your you're not in your divine diosa right. self 
And so I think it's important for us to ask ourselves questions, right? So for example, you know, what are the ways that I can have a routine for myself that allows me to be connected to myself, take care of my mental health, take care of my emotional health, take care of my physical health to the best of my ability, right? Not mm-hmm. every day is going to be, you know, oh my God, you're working right. on yourself, but it can be a simple thing. Like, you know, I'm going to make sure that I, that I have something healthy to eat, some mm-hmm. water, I'm going to do yes. a little prayer, a little meditation, and then I can show up. Yep. And so uh, deprogramming ourselves yeah. from the ways and the messaging that I am worthy if I show up mm-hmm. and I'm perfect. No, mm-hmm. you're not. You're worthy just by simply being alive, right? Mm-hmm. So taking the time to sit with yourself and say like, where is this coming from? Same mm-hmm. thing if you're saying yes to a thousand people, but you're just saying yes because you feel guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're actually taking away from people because you're not showing up. You're not really saying yes from yeah. the truth. Or you show up, but it doesn't come across in the right way. Or you showed up to the party yeah. that you couldn't go to and now you're tired and you don't have energy. So even like in the small little, yeah. I love that you brought that up because it's even like in those small, like, hey, someone invited me to this party and I, I have no energy to go, but I'm going to go. But then you're going to be tired or grumpy or, yeah. you know, the mom that's like, oh, I've been cleaning all day. And it's like, yeah. so then like, I love what you're yeah. saying because it's so true. It's kind of like energetically, you're really like actually not giving because you don't have anything to give in a way. Like you're empty. And there might be moments where you, you, there might be a conscious moment, right? Where you decide mm-hmm. this giving is more important in this moment like showing up for my friend is more important than than this right now right there will be moments that you do that but still it should be a conscious choice that you take Mm -hmm. and so you know taking the time for our needs you know just knowing that we have needs i think is huge when we're discovering our self-esteem i matter Mm -hmm. you know i have needs i deserve to listen to my heart to process my feelings to take a moment to take care of my body, to take a moment to take care of my spirit, to have alone time, to have friend time, to have spiritual time. And um, the more we do this, the better we can be as leaders, the better we can be as wives, the better we can be as a sister, a friend, a cousin, a mm-hmm. mother, um, et cetera. So deepening our practice of our needs and knowing that we deserve to hear ourselves and take care of ourselves, right? Like we forget to take care of ourselves. So it's a really important lesson in terms mm-hmm. of self-love. Right now we're going through times where we are seriously, I think, you know, I feel like like I can speak for a lot of people in that we are exhausted, I think, because we are seeing a lot of injustice. We're seeing Black Lives Matter. We're seeing the excuses that people are making. We were just barely somewhat getting out of COVID, but we went through that. Like we've been through so much in like less than half a year. What are some things that people can do to really take care of themselves? Because I think sometimes like, yeah, it's great to take a bath or yeah, it's great to do a face mask. And like, you know, a lot of people preach that kind of self-care, but that stuff doesn't actually go to the core and like heal. Like I feel like I, even I was going through a lot of stress where it's like, yeah, I'm taking the bath and I have my morning routine and all that, but it's not enough right now. Like I need more. Like what are the things that you recommend for that? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, you know, reprogramming ourselves to understand that life happens, right? And so I'm a big fan of a grounded spirituality, meaning that I'm not about feeling happy or comfortable all the time. Um, I think it's uh, not realistic for everyone. I think that there's many different internal and external factors that contribute to our safety, our happiness, our mental health, etc. And I believe that 
you know, we are in a moment in time that we've never faced before. There's a lot of unknowns, there's a lot of uncertainty, and collectively, we are feeling the uncertainty, the anxiety, the pain, especially if you're an empath, especially if you're someone that's connected and that gives a shit, right? Because there's some people that are floating in the stars and don't give a shit about anything and are like, no, no, no. Um, but for me, what I think is important is that we understand that there's gonna be moments where you're not comfortable. There are gonna be moments where you are in pain Mm -hmm. and where your heart is shattered there are going to be moments and this is a season of grieving this is a season of of sadness this is a season of revealing the shadows to the light this is not a season of joy and exuberance and before great awakenings and 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 processes is often many dark grueling painful exhausting Mm -hmm. uh parts of the process and so we live in a culture that tends to over glamorize, you know, the end process, but not the journey, you mm-hmm. know? And so what I would encourage people to do is to sit in the discomfort, to get help, you know, a licensed therapist, a healer, someone that's trained and grounded in reality, right? That's not telling you to escape reality, mm-hmm. but it encourages you to sit in that discomfort, to mm-hmm. understand what's emotionally coming up for you, to get support in unpacking and processing that. You know, in specific, um, first with COVID, which we're still going through, right? Mm-hmm. And specifically with Black Lives Matter, uh, the the racism has always been there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it's not like this is a new thing. Um, mm-hmm. As, you know, white presenting Latinas, we are women of color, but we're in the unique position that we still get to pass as a white presenting person. We don't know what it's like, right, to be mm-hmm. a Black woman or man mm-hmm. in the world. But what we do know is that, uh, or at least what I hope that everyone knows, and if you don't know, please do your work, right? And learn from mm-hmm. a Black woman that's teaching anti-racism work. There's tons of resources mm-hmm. on my page. But understanding that we have a duty, this is spiritual work. Yeah. And what I think that, like what you were saying, people were so comfortable talking about the self-care that was like, just take a bath and mm-hmm. I'm not discrediting, take right. those baths, right? Yes. Dance. Pray, meditate, and spiritual work also looks like activism. Spiritual work Mm -hmm. also looks like unpacking racism. Spiritual work looks like showing up and working through your feelings because there's a higher good, right? Mm -hmm. These are one of those moments where I say, let's tap into our privilege and use it for good. Mm -hmm. You know, use it for good. Show up, you know. Yeah, you're going to be exhausted, you know. Mm -hmm. But imagine the people that are suffering, right, that have to deal with this on a daily basis. So, Prayfully, as a result of our work, we will see a future that has laws that protect black and brown bodied people. Mm-hmm. And we have changes that happen systemically that happen as a result of these grueling times. Mm-hmm. Because any healing process is going to require a dying, a shedding. And I don't mm-hmm. mean of actual lives in the world, because that mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. Even happen, right? That's part of the injustice. I mean, a spiritual shedding of old mm-hmm. beliefs that are killing people. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's hard, it's hard work. Right. So you might be uncomfortable. Right. And so be it. And, and I think that's, that's the thing is um, being okay with not being okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, that's not like the fun answer that people like to hear a lot of times. They're like, no, Christine, but like, what, what do I do to feel good? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, you gotta feel shitty for a while because <laughs> the world is shitty. So we got to get yeah. to work. And if yeah. you're part of a leader and a change maker, if that's what you're showing up to do, then it is your spiritual duty to do that, mm-hmm. right? 
So that's something that I think is so beautiful and important to remember is like, what a gift that we get to, you know, charge up, get spiritually aligned so that mm -hmm. we can fill ourselves up with an energy greater than ourselves so that we can keep doing what we yeah. need to do. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that I even I put myself on track to like, because I, I think I've cried more this last two weeks than like I had in like months. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, and then I was like, okay, I'm crying. And, you know, black people have had to cry. Like so many other, you know, like they've been doing this for years, right? Like their entire life, they've had these pressures, they've had these worries, the moms worry that something's going to happen to their child. So I think it's really important for us to understand that as uncomfortable as this may be, it's, it's something that it's given us that perspective, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a black person. But if this is making me uncomfortable now, imagine a lifetime of that. And no, we, I, can't. That's, we can't even fathom, right? right? So it's like, right, being able to do that and process that and learn right and mm -hmm. be part of the change is is a, is a it's a great opportunity and um you know and of course my prayer is that through this that real changes happen that mm -hmm. you know that real changes happen yeah and i think we've accomplished more the last couple of weeks than than we were before so i think we're already kind of like on the way there there's still a lot of work there's still a lot of people that don't understand why it's relevant if it doesn't affect them um, so there's still, still a lot to do, but I think it's beautiful what you're saying of like, okay, this is, this is part of the process. The ugly cries and everything else is part of the process. And we have to come to terms with that. I don't think there is such thing as like a hundred percent happiness, hundred percent of the time. I don't think we would enjoy happy moments if everything yeah. was always like that. It would just be the status quo. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, how can we become aware? Because I think one of the biggest issues sometimes, at least from what I've seen and lived, is that how can I fix a problem that I don't know is there, right? Like if I have a tendency or a toxic habit or anything like that, if I'm not aware, right, that there's an issue there as a person, then I'm not even going to get on the way to fixing that. How can we become more aware of ourselves and the things that we need to work on? One of the things that is most important and it's something that I talk a lot about in my book that we'll share a little bit about later yeah. is that awareness means that you take a moment to look at right and observe what's happening right mm -hmm. what's happening in your life and being able to admit and be raw and honest about like this doesn't work I'm not happy with this mm -hmm. and um, I'm sad about this I'm upset about this this dynamic isn't working this this behavior isn't working, this reaction isn't working and getting clear on that. And that requires a willingness, of course, right? A willingness to see that which you don't want to see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a prayer, right? Just a simple prayer that you can say, right? Which is like, God, goddess, whatever, divine power, whatever words you want to use, reveal that which I don't want to see. Take the veil off my mm -hmm. eye so that I can see that which I don't want to see, but I need to see. Mm -hmm. in order to heal. And as you start becoming willing, you will see that with this spiritual kind of help and this mm -hmm. cry for help and this, this um, decision to look at what you don't want to look at, you start to see the shadows in your life. You start to see the triggers, you start to see the behaviors, and you start to get mm -hmm. guidance on what are the next steps you can do, right? Maybe it's going to therapy. Maybe it's, you know, reading a book. Maybe it's writing, journaling this out mm -hmm. down. 
and little by little starting to make subtle shifts so that you have changes in those areas. You don't have to do everything at once, but just being willing to look at that is the first step in changing. I love that. I love that, that willing to ask a question. And when you said the little prayer, I literally got chills, you know, because it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go try it. Let's see what comes up kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's ongoing. So even if we are in a good place in our lives, it's so important to always be asking the questions. Oh, yeah. Um, so you did mention you are, you wrote a book. Okay. And I'm super excited. I want to hear about it because I think I'm one of the first few people that have heard about it, maybe. So let's tell us a little more about it. Yeah, I'm very in the early process of like sharing on podcasts and, and mm -hmm. really, you know, starting to, to, to share because just like you, I, I, I move and flow with spirit, right? And so it felt right to postpone and I felt mm -hmm. like dedicating my time to, and I'm continuing to, of course, but really dedicating my time to being part of the activism work mm -hmm. and putting aside that because it didn't flow. And so mm -hmm. I'm allowing myself now to like start recommitting and sharing it because this is a big part of my soul's work and mm -hmm. hopefully changing, um, impacting people when they read it. But essentially the book is about, it's called I Am Diosa, mm -hmm. a journey to healing deep, loving yourself and coming back home to soul. Mm -hmm. And it combines psychological practices, psychologically grounded practices, spiritual tools, prayers, meditations, Um, it's really like a, a guidebook mm -hmm. that combines um, telling, sharing some of my stories, some of the Diosa story, and really unpacking our trauma, our, ch our childhood, our triggers, the behaviors that don't serve us, the shadows in our life, the things that we want to change, and really walking us closer to the Diosa, to the woman that we want to be, mm -hmm. and, and being very realistic about what that looks like. And so um, that process this book came from you know all the years of doing this work with my clients and in my own life and really just compiling it all together so that it's in one place and um you know i'm really grateful that i got the opportunity not only be to write the book and the content but also because as a latina woman i was desperately missing that voice yeah in, in the spiritual market i felt that it was um i learned a lot from what i was reading but i felt so unseen, unheard. And mm -hmm. so a big part of the mission of this book is that Latina women, women of color can pick it up and say, I, I identify, I feel more seen, mm -hmm. I feel more heard. Mm -hmm. And that there's more, you know, diversity in the spiritual market and hopefully open the doors up for other mm -hmm. amazing um, voices that are uh, Latina people of color mm -hmm. to come in and be able to share their stories because we need that. Mm -hmm. And if anyone is listening, I mean, most of my listeners do no Spanish, but if anyone doesn't out there, Diosa means goddess. And I just yeah. love the concept and the name. And I think it's so important because I feel like Latinas, we are very intuitive and we're very in touch spiritually. But you're right. When it comes to the actual people writing the books and talking about it, you don't see a lot of representation. So I really do love that you are can open the doors for maybe, maybe to inspire more Latinas or women of color to to be more active because I think we are active in this space, but maybe we're not like really writing the books and showing up and, and that kind of, um, well, I think it wasn't necessarily that we weren't showing up. I think that, you know, the, the system of right. anything, the industries have mm -hmm. underrepresented yeah. black authors, indigenous authors, Latino authors, just um, like any other industry. I feel like it's, it's all, it's all, yeah. it's all and that's yeah. why being part of the movement and, mm -hmm. and really standing yeah. for 
our black and brown um, sisters and brothers is so important because it's all systemic racism goes throughout, right? So in this way, um, I do think it is um, absolutely important. And so the book is all about, you know, unpacking those traumas, really getting to the core of your self-esteem, your self-love and remembering your divinity and using Mm -hmm. tools so that you can really look at those areas. Like you said, bring awareness, you know, what's Mm -hmm. not working? What do Mm -hmm. I do want? What's on the other side of that block, Mm -hmm. right? And, um, and having the opportunity to do that is, is really a, you know, a dream come true and a gift. And it's a, it's a book published by Penguin Random House Nice. and the smaller, um, label underneath that is Tarcher Perigee. So that's who it's with. And it was, you know, I never thought that I could, it's not that I, it's not that I thought that I couldn't, but I was. I don't know how to write a book, right? It's a new right. learning curve, right? I'm not a writer kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm a poet. And, right. and this is going back to that original soul purpose. Is like, I have to listen to what the divine wants. This is not about me, right? It's about sharing what's planted in me to help as best as I can and just mm-hmm. let the divine flow through to help. And I always say, if it helps at least one person, mm-hmm. whether I go on stage or write a book, I'm like, if it helps at least one person, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know? How long did it take you to write the book, give or take? Well, the whole process, because the proposal is the first part, and, mm-hmm. and that took a while because I really let myself sit with that. And, you know, life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and my agent was really patient with me and was very encouraging. Like, don't worry. Like, go with the flow. Do it when you mm-hmm. are ready. Don't submit it until you read those words and it, like, makes you cry. Mm-hmm. Um, super patient. And so that took a while. I mean, over a year or two. Wow. Um, it doesn't have to take that long, but for me it did because it's yeah. just like, yeah. and then the actual book writing process in another year for that mm-hmm. process to just write the, the rest of the book. Um, wow. Yeah. I see. And I love that because there's a lot of things that, you know, I do that I tell people I'm, I'm working on this and, and then there's also a lot of things that I kind of do behind the scenes. And I would love yeah. for you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So this was definitely something that was, uh, I had, felt the soul call to say, okay, I'm ready to, to, to put the things I do in retreats or in my sessions into mm-hmm. a book. And, um, that process started way before, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I, maybe even five years where I was just like, I sent it out and the agent, I, I sent it to a couple of people and they were like, um, this sounds amazing, but I think you need to grow your platform a little more mm-hmm. do this or, mm-hmm. you know, and I never let that get in the way of yeah. my faith. I just kept on showing up to do the work. Right. And being excited and enjoying the process. And then when I felt it was time again, I did it. And I remember staying up really late one night and finishing a proposal. And it was a totally different proposal, mm-hmm. right? It was more geared towards healing love addiction, which this is definitely in the book as well, but um, more broad. And the the process of that and then sending it in. And then I got a yes right away from yes. the, my agent. And, and really that was something I did behind the scenes. It wasn't Mm -hmm. something that you announced right away. Um, Some people do. I chose not to. And Mm -hmm. once I signed all the paperwork and I, and I wrote a little bit more and I felt comfortable, then I kind of started to announce it. And so it was really uh, something I did behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's some things that I do do behind the scenes. A lot of my activism work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. has been behind the scenes. Um, And I just kind of listen to my heart and mm-hmm. see when it's time to share when it's not. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's so unique for each person, but I wanted to protect my little baby yes. and, and then share it when I was ready. That's a great way to explain it. Cause the women literally asked me that, like, how do you know when to share or not share? And I'm like, 
just kind of follow like your gut, you know, just kind of like go with it. Um, you know, there's things like you said that you just kind of want to protect until they're ready or like until you know for sure that, you know, it's, it's been done now. Like yes. when I was going to open the co-working space, I was like, okay, until I have the paperwork signed, like I don't want to say because something could fall through or whatnot. So um, I love I love you sharing that. I think that will bring a lot of clarity to women that are trying to decide when to do what. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing with us. I really feel so honored. I seriously love your work. I actually first met you. I remember um, doing, do, I, you know, we were doing the meditation and I had a flashback of like a childhood memory that was just buried and I, I did not remember at all. I didn't even know it was affecting me or anything. And, and separately, I knew that I had, that something had shifted and I, I was different, but I never tr- traced it back to that because I just didn't remember in my consciousness. Um, and I remember during your meditation, like I had this epiphany, like it just came to me and I was like, what the heck? This is crazy. So I really loved after that, I love your work because I experienced the power behind it, right? Like what it can do. And I encourage anyone listening to not just to follow you, of course, but also start doing the work. And even, you know, for the people that maybe are a little skeptical about spiritual things and whatnot, um, you know, the it works like it it really does work and it's crazy the change that can come from that so thank you so much for sharing if people want to find you and follow you how can they do that you can go to my instagram cosmic christine and my website is christineg.tv and i have all the details for the book i'm diosabook.com and i have really beautiful gifts and meditations and goodies when you pre-order the book I'm super excited. I can no wait to get my hands on it. I seriously am so excited. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a good week. Besos. Thank you for listening to another episode of Femex Podcast. I truly hope that it has inspired you and helped you grow a little more. Don't forget to follow us on social at Femex Podcast. That is F-E-M-X Podcast. I'll see you there. Besos.